Christina Pittam, a creator and entrepreneur. And I'm Danielle Alexandra, a stylist and content creator. And we are In In Case Case You You Haven't Haven't Heard Podcast. Podcast. We're giving you the behind the scenes and an inside scoop of what really goes down. So you know exactly what the fuck is going on. Hi, and welcome back to another episode of In Case You Haven't Heard. Thank you so much for listening. Welcome back. For those of you who listen every week, we appreciate you and we love you. And hello to you new fresh faces. Welcome to the podcast. We are your co-hosts, but we're not going to introduce ourselves because you should already know who we are. And if you don't, then you can just check the what is it called? The show notes. Show notes. <laughs> and follow us on IG to stay up to date. And just a little plug, you know. Oh yes, absolutely. No shame in that game. Uh, no shame. How has your week been? We are recording on a Friday today for next week's episode. So how has your week been? Because mine has been it's, long. Long. It's been okay as, so far. No. This okay. morning I realized that I lost an earring which I always do and I'm not so happy about it I had custom earrings made like B for Billy and M for Michael and I lost the B so I can't find it anywhere I thought maybe it was in a hoodie or I don't know in my bed and I can't find it so let's be real are you are you more sad that it was Billy's than if it were Michael's (laughs) at least you have someone that you can put on your ear that's not your initial honestly yeah because i don't even have that so. oh. <laughs> i was like yeah i didn't know where you were going with that but yes anyway that happened to me or i realized this morning mm-hmm. other than that it's works oh, going well also yes and i meant i had a mental note of what i wanted to say and something that really helped me the last few days was i started using my perfume and I know that sounds so weird but I have like expensive perfume that I keep for like when I go out and special occasions and stuff like that and not even not even special occasions just when I do things and I wanted to change up like my self-care because I always do like my skincare my masks and I just wanted something extra so I started just spritzing myself like every morning with my perfume that I would usually use Mm -hmm. and it's been giving me a little bit of a boost. I don't know. It just like it makes me feel like at least I'm kind of somewhat feeling normal. I don't know. I've been I've been wearing perfume most days actually because of the same thing cuz you feel more put together. It's like yes, you're going to shower. If you're going to shower and put on a pair of sweats and a coordinating hoodie because, you know, at least it's semi put together, might as well spritz a little perfume and then feel like you're you know, ready to present yourself to the world, even though you're not doing that because you're staying at home. So I, I've I've honestly found it the same thing. And I'll alternate between my like night and my day just to like keep things fresh and interesting. I've been really into, or at least when I pick out perfumes, I like having a signature scent. So I usually use the same one or I buy the same one all the time. So yeah, it's definitely been great having that extra self-care step and I highly recommend it. So I have a story for you guys. And Danielle, I messaged you and I told you I have a story to intro on the podcast. Don't let me forget. And you forgot. So I'm glad I just remember. (laughs) (laughs) I Um, don't even remember that text. So I'm excited and I'm listening. Okay. So it was like two days ago or yesterday, actually. 
It was yesterday. So I went to go shoot content yesterday for... Um, oh, I do remember. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> okay, yes. Tell us. So I went to go shoot content for like a little campaign that I was doing. And I shot with my friend or our friend, Jen, and drove to like the area you wanted to shoot. And then we were just like walking. And coincidentally, there was this stunning midnight blue vintage Bentley just sitting like parked on the street and I was like oh my god this is so cute I'm wearing like a royal blue tracksuit let me go or empire blue if you guys follow me on Instagram it's by 437 and the color is technically empire so empire blue and I was like oh perfect we can shoot content in front of this like what are the odds that my outfit coordinated perfectly with my location so we start to take photos in front and then I obviously had like stuff from my other look so I just like hung it on like a railing close to the building that it was in front of. And I looked through the window and there was like a doorman of some sorts. And he like looked over and I just like kind of like waved, hoping like he wouldn't be annoyed. So left my stuff there, started shooting. And then like two minutes into shooting, the doorman comes out and he goes, do you want to go inside? Like, do you want to shoot inside for Instagram? I'm like, uh, yeah, 100%. So he literally gets the keys to this Bentley, fucking opens the Bentley. And like, I start shooting inside the passenger seat of the Bentley. And I was like, this is actually fucked. Like, what are the odds? Everyone on Instagram is probably like, oh, if you take a photo in front of a sick car, they're like, oh, cool, whatever. But when you're inside, they're like, how the fuck? Whose car is this? Well, that's why when you said I went to shoot content, I remembered because immediately when you sent me that photo, I was like, whose fucking Bentley is that? (laughs) She's bougie. (laughs) My new boyfriend. Yeah. How did you get a vintage Bentley? Am I missing something? Well, honestly, that story is great because usually it's the other way around. Usually people will stare at you and be negative and just kind of like give you dirty looks or say you can't shoot here. So no, I was just head over heels and whoever's Bentley that was that was my exact style of Bentley that I like it's not too flashy it's like has vintage but it's like a really sick luxurious car if the owner is under 65 years old <laughs> love to get in contact <laughs> under with 65 you. I would say under 40 45 yeah under 45. <laughs> 45 sorry I'm just kidding guys I don't like I'm not into I'm not into all that no if you're if the owner is under 45 years old I would love to be contacted by you because you're my kind of guy. So today on the pod, we have Samantha Cutler. She is also a podcast host, but she is the beauty and brains behind the Fit Fatel. She has done a multitude of things, um, starting as, again, a blogger podcast. And now she has moved on to a venture that has been up and running for a little while called Clout Jam, which is a tech company that developed a way for content creators, influencers to optimize and organize the way that they manage their collaborations so that they can streamline everything and just be super effective um, when they're, you know, reaching out and managing their, their careers. All right, guys. So we now have Samantha Cutler here from the Fit Fatale. Why don't you tell us about yourself and what you do? We are so excited to have you on the pod. Thank you for being here. Of course. Thank you, ladies, so much. I'm really excited to get to chat with you. I feel like every time I do these virtual podcasts during COVID, it's like my social hour of the day while we're in lockdown. So Absolutely. <laughs> I love Sad getting but to true. do them. <laughs> 
Well, thank you, first of all, so much for having me. I'm really excited about what you guys are doing with the podcast and excited to be a guest. A little bit about me. So I have been an influencer for over six years now, particularly in the health and wellness space. I was previously a coach. And then before that, I was working in corporate marketing and sort of just shifted into this world organically, which I'm sure we'll dive into more. And I also last year founded a tech company with my boyfriend and co-founder, which is a whole other struggle and fun adventure of mine uh, called Clout Jam, which is a platform for influencers to manage their campaigns end to end. What made you jump from the marketing corporate world to your platform, the Fit Fatel. Let's talk about your wellness journey. So you're fit. You have you're you're into fitness. You're also a health coach. You do guided meditations now on your platform. So yeah. let's dive into your wellness journey. Yeah, absolutely. It's really cool when you see everyone with like a fitness platform or who's an instructor or a health coach of some sort. They all have a personal story behind it. I think everyone does with a business and especially with a voice. You have to have like your why. For me, I was always really into health and wellness, but the kind of opposite version of it when I was growing up. So it was all about like an unhealthy association with our body and wanting to be skinny, that, you know, no sugar, no fat sort of obsession. And I think that was a lot more prominent in like the early 2000s for sure. I lived in New York, so it was really prominent as well. Everyone around me looked like they were perfect and skinny. And so I got into a really negative mindset with food, lived alone, and it was just like, a roller coaster of negative associations and understandings and really a lack of education in the wellness space. Uh, from there, I ended up in corporate marketing. I went to school in fashion and I started working for Holt Renfrew and Ogilvy's, which a lot of Canadians will know. It's one of the biggest luxury retailers. And I was there for in the company for seven years. And I loved, loved, loved my job, but I needed a personal outlet on the side. And I was working like crazy hours, almost some of them 80 hour weeks, which is crazy because if you guys know the fashion space, you're kind of just doing anything and everything at, at any time. And I was um, responsible for events. So it was all the time on like weekends and nights. And I just was diving full heartedly into it, but put my health and wellness on the back burner. And what I knew about health and wellness was already not not like in a good light, right? And so I had this negative association with it. And my attempts at trying to be healthy while I was on that journey was like not eating, you know, and working all night at an event or doing something along those lines that really just put me down a really bad um, wormhole and path. And as I started my influencer career, it was originally about just sharing bits of happiness in my life because I wanted to have a different personal outlet for myself. And as that continued, I started loving the blogger world, writing articles and connecting with brands and, and people within my small and growing audience at the time. But I was finding myself having a really hard time with the stress management at work. And I ended up getting very sick, actually, and having um, a really bad stomach infection, having a lot of happy that I caught them, but almost detrimental long term to a lot of my gut health and the impacts of stress on gut health. And so I started going like, okay, how, you know, uneducated in the field at 25 going, how is this related? Like, how is my stress completely deteriorating my body from the inside out? I thought I was doing my elliptical for 45 minutes a day and eating my sugar-free salad dressing and like, what's going on here? 
from that, started doing a lot more research of the impacts of stress on gut. And that's what drove me to do health coaching. I ended up leaving my full-time job to, at the time, dive into my blog full-time because it was really at a place that I could kind of like take that risk. But my blog was really lifestyle. And because of what transition I went through exactly at the same time that I left my corporate space and the corporate career in my past, it just aligned perfectly. So I ended up rebranding and really launching full-heartedly and passionately into the health and wellness space and became a certified instructor Um, health coach, all that kind of stuff, really just to have the education and credibility behind what I would share. So less so to take on clients, more so that I could speak from a place of experience and not just, I read this in like Shape Magazine or something like that. Yeah. So that was, that was sort of like how I got here. Um, I think that credibility component is is super important. Um, I was talking to Danielle and I feel like in our intro a couple episodes ago or in an episode, um, and I was talking about how, I mean, for myself as well, the appeal to health and wellness is like very, very high. And I consume so much content on it already on my own, whether it be through podcasts, well, primarily like health podcasts um, led by like doctors or medical professionals, Mm -hmm. but just, I'm just so intrigued by it. And I almost want to, well, not almost, I said I was going to do it. So I have to do it to take a course in it or get some sort of certification in the, you know, holistic nutrition space or wellness space specifically gut health for myself um, because that's what I'm really interested in and how everything affects you through that one system because I want to be able to share more educational knowledge with my with our audience not just again yeah read something or regurgitate the information but to actually have like your own personal like added knowledge and value um, to contribute to the conversation about whatever topic it is so I really love that you kind of dove into that. Did you do anything like what kind of certifications did you do specifically other than I I know you just mentioned like health coach and yoga instructor? Is that what you meant by instructor? No. So I did, I was always scared actually the yoga instructor because I've heard from so (laughs) many people. It's so tough and demanding and like long, crazy hours. Although a lot of people when we used to travel would go to like Bali into it. So that always looked appealing, but I did my health coaching. And again, that was just for like information processes. And as you said, when I knew what I was the most passionate about, um, I was able to kind of focus on it in that way. But what's interesting about coaching is that it's the same process, no matter what you're coaching. Um, Obviously, when you take like health coaching or life coaching, there's information that's heavy in that category or or fitness instructor, fitness coach. But the coaching process as a whole is similar across all levels. And that's what I like. It's about how you share the information. And I honestly think like every influencer and creator should do this because it's so educational about how you can share information in a constructive way that betters and helps your audience and whoever's consuming it and listening to it. So I think that that was one of like the biggest pieces that really helped guide me. Besides that, I was previously a Bodylicious instructor, which is basically group fitness um, training. And then I did bar certification as well. So you'll see on my Instagram, I do like quick workouts every now and then. I think during the past couple months with COVID, it's been a lot of focus on more like mindfulness and on just kind of accepting where we're at. I never want to put out too much stuff that people feel like, oh my, I need to be working out every day or looking a certain way. We have enough pressure on ourselves right now. Mm -hmm. So I've kind of, you know, scaled back some of those, but also giving the resources that people want when they want them without any pressure. As a blogger and 
content creator, it's so important to identify your niche. And also there's so much information out there in the health and wellness space and in any space, really, it's important to have those credentials or little things that set you apart. And I love that you did that because it brings a sense of credibility and professionalism into something that can be seen on the outside as like, oh, this is another wellness. Oh, this is another fitness instructor. There are just so many online that it's so great to have that credibility and that certification behind you backing what you're putting out there. Yeah, absolutely. And it's like, you want to know where the information's coming from, but also if it's your opinion, and that's totally fine because I do share a lot of stuff that like, this is my opinion, you have to be clear how you're sharing that and say, this is what I think, this is what's worked for me, this is what I feel, especially when you're relating to products that you're working with or sponsored content, because you also don't want to mix that up. Like I have this credibility, so I'm referring this product. Like there's a very fine line between that, right? Because that doesn't just equal that this product or whatever I'm saying is right. It still has mm-hmm. to be a lot of transparency between this works for this process, but it doesn't mean that that's what it's going to do for you. Like everyone's so individual and that's where the education comes in. How do you then navigate your collaborations because you're so you you create content that's so personal to you, Mm -hmm. information based content, fitness based content? Has it been hard or has your ability to collaborate um, evolved over time? Yeah. So my other company, Clout Jam, we also like help coach creators and influencers and help give them a lot of educational information to get started and continue to grow and guide. So this is something I talk with a lot of creators about as well. And it's a really unique process because once you can identify what you love to communicate, what you know, and what you're passionate about, two things start to fall into place. Your audience, right? The right audience that wants to consume that type of information just comes to you and and flocks to you. You create it organically. And I also find the right brands start coming to you because if you're continuously talking about and being authentic to who you are as a creator, if it's gut health, let's say, then the brands that align with that will be like, this is my product for gut health and you can try it or not try it. And you have to decide at that point, if it's something you want to promote or a brand that you want to work with. But I have noticed that shift when I was promoting previously lifestyle things, I was getting stuff that was coming out of the woodworks, just so unaligned and didn't have the same vision and mission as me as a creator that it made no sense to work with them. And there was a lot more filtering. Whereas once you stay true to a lot of the content that kind of starts doing the work for you a little bit. Um, you obviously have to make sure that you like the products and that you can work Mm -hmm. with them long-term for me. Like when I have a red flag from a brand, I'm out. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think that's a good rule of thumb, right? mm Mm-hmm. I think that a lot of people who might be listening who are interested in influencing or in the influencer space might have this question. So I want to ask you, you use example as like a gut health influencer or say an influencer that's focused specifically on gut health. And maybe that's something that they talk about a lot because they're Mm -hmm. passionate about it. That's very niche. What are your thoughts on, you know, picking some, picking a niche that's so niche or could there be a niche that's too niche? Or is it okay because the more specific you are, Mm -hmm. the more authentic you're going to be? So I think you have to look back at why you're creating the content and what your mission is as a social creator. And a lot of people will have very niche content, but usually it aligns with some type of business or something else that they're doing on the side. So a lot of the pages that we see that are extremely niche 
we have some creators that are like particularly, you know, have medical degrees or are holistic nutritionists or that is really what their business is. And so they'll focus on content that's really referring their clients. So what, what people don't see on the other side is that a lot of influencers are building their influence to build their business, right? Or they can do it the other way, which is they become influencers and then they launch a business or they launch a product or something like that. So usually when you're really niche, you want to have an idea of like where you're directing people with that information because it will not be the best way to continue to build um, brand partnerships if that's your goal and your goal is to become a full-time creator. You want to have the ability to expand your brand partnerships That being said, you should always keep in mind probably like no more than three sort of key categories that you want to reference back to all the time when you're building it. And to me, like that shows consistency across what you're sharing, but it opens your mind a little bit more. Whereas if you're saying, okay, I'm only going to talk about hormonal health or gut health, as we use as an example, then you have to have an idea of where Like, why are you doing that? And also when it comes down to brands, you're going to cut off a lot of brands and you have to, that has to not be your focus is just getting partnerships. It has to be to send them somewhere else. Would you say, because you work with, you know, creators who are either running their own business and building their influence to establish that or vice versa, Mm -hmm. I found myself personally, like kind of in this, for a while, I was kind of in this weird place where I was like, okay, if I grow my following, then I'll have a better chance at, you know, directing more people to my clothing line. But then Mm -hmm. there was a point where I was kind of getting frustrated because I felt like there was only so much you could control with the algorithm or with your audience or just how everything was functioning with Instagram and whatnot that I just decided, okay, I want to start my business. So I'm going to start it now and just like hope that my Mm -hmm. personal brand grows alongside it. But would you say like there might be one way versus the other that might work more effectively or is it really dependent? I think if you asked me three to five years ago, I would have definitely said, you know, grow your personal brand and then you can do whatever you want with it. We all know it's a lot harder now to grow and a lot more difficult in particular on Instagram. That being said, I think there's a lot of other platforms, TikTok being one that I absolutely love and is a huge growth platform right now. And if you're listening and you're an influencer and you're not on it, you should be there's different ways that you can look at it. So it's all about the strategy of what type of content you like. If you know already what you want to build, like I think you had a clear understanding of the brand you wanted to create. And so, or maybe I'm wrong, but it seems that way. And Mm -hmm. if you want to do that, then don't limit yourself from going forward by thinking you don't have social following to be able to do that. Like it doesn't have to be one or the other. I think both can happen simultaneously, but also like you have to have intention behind what you create on social media. And so if your intention is that you're going to have this, this clothing line on the side, then build your content around that. That's going to complement it, but don't just build a social following. Like everyone's going to follow me because I post these photos of my life and there's no real purpose. That's like connecting back to the brand if you're doing that at the same time. But yeah, Instagram's tough to grow on now. Like there's, there's a lot of other platforms that are, better TikTok being one of them that'll just help other creators get their their name out there. Let's jump into Clout Jam because you know you were an in well you were a content creator blogger first and then how did the idea of Clout Jam come to be? I assume that you were facilitating, managing, emailing all of the above trying to get your collaborations in order as 
all content creators do. So let's talk about how the idea came and then how the process of creating the platform evolved and happened for you. It's really interesting because I built Cloud Jam with my boyfriend and partner and his background's in more traditional ad tech. And so he saw, you know, bigger brands like Hyundai and Coca-Cola do ad placement more traditional, right? So maybe on digital media, but also across like billboards and all that kind of stuff. So when I, you know, we had been dating for like probably a year at this point, not that long. And we were like, let's build a business. Also crazy idea, by the way, if anyone's listening, <laughs> be ready Very for crazy. it. Do you also live together? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So all of the above, you're all in. Yeah, we were like, I mean, now it's been it's been two years or so since like the idea came about. But yeah, it was wild. So anyway, he was basically sitting listening to all my problems. And at the time he was at a, I sound really needy, but you know, you talk about your business at the dinner table. And at the time he had left agency to work at a startup that was also in Toronto, which is how he ended up here from New York. And they were doing um, live stream content for creators. So he had kind of started to get to know the creator world. And I was always complaining about like brand contracts and honestly crying like once a day or at least once a week about letting my clients down and missing like a hashtag or missing the brief that they sent and the type of direction of the content they wanted, having to reshoot it. Like, and that was the time when I was traveling a lot as a creator. And so I couldn't take that opportunity because if I sent them the content and traveled and then didn't have the product I had to shoot or, you know, all these different things. And if anyone is listening and both of you guys, I'm sure know this as micro creators, our relationship with the brand is everything. As a small business, your relationship with your clients is everything, right? And you need to uphold those or else you lose them and they don't come back. And your best friend is the PR firms you work with and the brands you work with and all that kind of stuff. And so I was having like this problems where I was just going, there's no solution for me. And I had tried working with a manager previously who wasn't the right fit for me. Like I can negotiate and work with brands and communicate with them better than anyone else can. And that's my choice. A lot of, you know, people enjoy that process of being hands-off. I like the business side of it, but I also don't want to lose out on these opportunities. So that's sort of where the idea came from because there was no solution in the marketplace. And at the time, actually now there's over 1,500 um, solutions for brands to easily manage all of their micro-influencers in an easy, you know, to use platform. And they can get, like, I'm sure you guys know tons of these, like hashtag paid and Isaiah and all of these platforms. Mm -hmm. But there was nothing on the creator side, which was just tipping the scales ever in their favor and making it a lot easier for brands to get a hold of micro-creators. We already have all this influx coming in from different brands, opportunities, filtering through what's legit, what's not legit, staying on top of contracts and then now the guy who has you know all this money in the upper hand being the big brand or you know whatever that is has more tools for them like how is that fair in our side and so this kind of got us like riled up and realized that we needed to build a solution and we obviously interviewed and, and chatted with like hundreds of influencers to understand what their pain points were and it was all the same like if you're not having if you don't have the ability to pay a full team to help you out or you're not like a few girls building something together, or you're not a bigger creator who has a manager or who's willing to give up 30% of their income to a manager, you don't have a solution that's affordable, that's made for small businesses. And it, it just like, you know, once you have an idea like that and it lights enough fire that you can't ignore it, that was when we, we knew we had to build it. <laughs> 
So now what kind of services do you provide? Let's start with the influencer side. Um, Mm -hmm. And then how do you then get the brands like the heavy hitters onto your app so that they can find these influencers? So let's talk about both sides of the spectrum. Yeah. So we actually don't connect brands and creators at all. So uniquely like your team is, you know, behind the scenes. It could you think you're talking to me, but I have my whole team behind the scenes. That's what we wanted to replicate. Really like a team, a virtual assistant, or whatever. So every brand that I work with for the past year, I've been using Cloud Jam and they have no idea that I use that, right? So essentially we connect to an influencer's inbox and we allow them to categorize all of their campaigns through a deal pipeline. So they can see where they're at, what they're negotiating on, what their deals are, all that kind of stuff. And it essentially allows them to follow up and stay on top of it. But a brand doesn't need to know. So it's kind of like if you use QuickBooks for your business, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, they don't know how I invoice them or maybe they see the QuickBooks thing when it it gets sent over. But that's the idea that we wanted. And there's so many solutions for brands. We're not trying to be the solution for them. We're trying to really help level the playing field and give a tool to creators so they can actually feel confident in their business and negotiate and stay on top of it. And what we hear time and time again is that they're able to work with the same brands over and over because they're confident in the level of um, content that their creators are creating that use the platform. So we're really just an influencer first and foremost, and we don't ever want to like cross those wires because we want to stay true. It's really tough in a marketplace because you can build a marketplace and be like, here I am, let me serve, you know, the supply and the demand and you guys do your thing. But if your mission is to really be all for one side, you can't, like, our clients can't be the brand as well at the same time. And that was our outlook on it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you want to be loyal to who you're focusing on. So say on your portal, um, you have what, like a category for hashtags, what the requirements are, like, give us a little outline of like what someone would see if they had access to Clout Jam as an influencer. Yeah, absolutely. And I'd love to like, I don't know if I can give you guys a code or like anyone that's listening to try out the platform if they're creators and they want to try it out, I'd be happy to do that. But essentially your information would be broken down by your campaign. So once the campaign's confirmed, you would have basically a sparks notes kind of thing uh, or a cheat sheet rather of like all the key information that you need extracted from your contracts. You'd also have your contracts and your briefs and whatever else you need to access as a creator. So, you know, the things like hashtags and tags are what we think of right away. But what's really important are also like your usage rights, right? Are they allowed to use that content? Do you have exclusivity with that brand? And when you're starting in the creator space, this is something that a lot of people, one, don't know about, don't know how to negotiate and don't know where to find it or where they're, you know, where they're putting it in the contract. So it's kind of just getting this information right in front of people at the beginning so that they can negotiate and stay on top, like just really know what they're getting themselves into with brands as well. So they would have all that information under each campaign and category. And yeah, and so they also have a schedule and in the schedule, it'll tell them what they need to do and how they need to do it pretty much. But then the campaign pipeline is really like my favorite part because I know when I need to follow up with people, like that's really where you convert the most deals. (laughs) How hands-on are you um, with Cloud Jam right now within the business? Um, So I work every day on Cloud Jam (laughs) full time. I also do my creator stuff as well. So I guess everyone's always like, which one are you doing full time? And I... They both luckily complement one another. 
it's definitely tricky. I think, you know, going from one, it's kind of like I can only compare it to when I was at my full-time job and then built, you know, the blog on the side and decided it was time to leave and be on the blog full-time. I don't think I'll stop ever creating or being an influencer just because it complements this side of the business, but we work with our team all day, every day. So I I take care of everything that's basically forward-facing. So with our users, any of like social or marketing, anything like that, but also most importantly, like acquisition, retention, working with the users, understanding what they want and building out really what the app looks like. And then our team is small, but growing. So we're, we're seven now actually. And they're mostly in the dev side, um, a lot of that team. So I'm, I'm on the front end kind of hearing what everyone wants and making sure they get it. So you're acting like a virtual manager for these creators. How does the monetization element work? Like, is it a percentage that is taken out from the user or is it like a monthly payment? Like, how does that all work for someone who maybe wants to join Clout Jam and and get the management element all sorted out so then they can focus more on the content creation, growing their brand, et cetera? Yeah, exactly. Great question. So today it's a subscription model. So it's $29 a month and they can, you know, use it to track as much stuff as they want within the platform. We have some things coming up that will be changing that, but the subscription model is like going to remain the basics so that people can have add-ons and different things within the platform. But essentially like we want to make it affordable as well. Cause we have a lot of creators that come to us that actually aren't making any campaigns yet. And they want to understand like how to reach out or how to track their outreach. That's a big one. I don't know if you girls like have had that experience, but when you outreach to brands, there's nowhere to find it besides your sent file. So that's one that we kind of, you know, want to help creators that are just getting started and from the get go be professional. So let's talk a little bit about your podcast, which is also the name of your blog, correct? The Fit Fatale. Yeah. So it goes by the Fit Fatale podcast, but the title is Spin Skin and Other Addictions. I should have both so when people search for it, they can find it. <laughs> it's kind of like a little okay. hack. There we go. Um, some SEO in there. <laughs> um, so how did you get into podcasting? When did the shift happen between, or from, I should say, blogging to Instagram to wanting to hop on a more audio-based platform? Which we all here can agree that we, we totally love um, because <laughs> we're all doing it. <laughs> Yeah, it's definitely a little bit of a selfish or guilty pleasure because I get to talk to such cool people and hear their stories. So that's like definitely my favorite part. I'm sure you guys feel that way. With podcasting, I started like not as, I guess, dedicated to it as I am, you know, today, but probably about two and a half years ago when podcasting was first kind of growing a bit in Canada in particular. I know in the States it was getting a lot bigger earlier, but we had some lags as we usually do in our Canadian market. And I'm sure you guys have a lot of American listeners and stuff too, which is more normal. I started getting into it just like, you know, this is a new outlet. I previously was only doing Instagram and the blog and the blog was just kind of like as a home base. And I wanted another outlet to create content on and YouTube was not like my thing, I feel like it was limited in the past. Now there's like so many different ideas between podcasts and TikTok and all different ways to just continue to create great content. I also think it resonates with me more as a long form type of content that I can build versus like a blog or YouTube that has as much information. People like to listen on the go as we see, which is why it's so wildly successful. 
And I was just getting into listening to a lot. And so I figured, what the hell? Why don't I? I didn't know how to do it. I just think I Googled, like, how do I make a podcast? And something came up with a hosting website. And I was like, cool, let's try it. Um, You know, I have a Mac, so I had GarageBand and just sort of figured it out on the fly from from there. And here we are now. I feel like that's similar to us. We were like, how do we do this? We started on voice note and then kind of did our draft, drafted test uh, run episode. And then we moved to like our mics and we've had so many different audio fails and like it's been different, very progressive. Yeah, it's <laughs> been it's been like interesting to see the progression from the beginning to now. But something that I really loved hearing from you is as much as it as it is important to identify your niche as a creator, it's also important to identify what platforms align with your brand or align with um, whatever you're trying to create as you know, a blogger, influencer, creator, business owner, because that's very important to connecting to the right people um, and the right audience. Um, so that was something that we kind of thought, like, why not get on an audio-based platform? And a lot of people also record their podcasts and then put it out on YouTube. So that's another kind of addition to the audio base that you can kind of do the dual, the dual um, recordings. Yeah, and you can use it for anything. You can use it on like Instagram or promo like on on like IGTV I've done some video ones before where it's like I've tried sharing them on IGTV and that kind of stuff and there's just so much you can do with it when you have like really great conversations with people that you can share in interesting ways but I think it's easiest to get it over voice (laughs) yeah I mean that just goes back to Gary V right when you just redistribute the same content in as many different ways on as many different platforms as you can because you might as (laughs) well utilize it you know (laughs) yeah every every tiktok is like a blog post in a mini little way and I'm always like do I want to write this or do I not want to write it you know or same thing with instagram I'm like how do I just take like one little piece of this and build it and then share that list on tiktok and like an informative, fun way. So I'm all about that. It's just repurposing the content. You've talked about TikTok a lot and we're also obsessed with TikTok. What is your favorite social platform to use right now? I mean, right now, I just find TikTok lets me sometimes separate myself from reality as I don't know how, how like good or bad that actually is to say. But I when I go on- fun and like be a kid, right? <laughs> yeah, totally. And like- just like I don't feel like I don't know a lot of the people that I follow on TikTok and I have like a different relationship with who I consume information from and the people that consume my information I have a different relationship with and for some reason when I got on TikTok which was during you know first lockdown in the spring which I think a lot of people was when they caught it or started using TikTok like literally bless all those dancers souls because they entertained us for months and like started on TikTok and just had no reservations about what I was putting out because they weren't my, they weren't my community and they weren't holding me to some type of like bar or expectation, which I don't think, you know, we shouldn't filter ourselves too much because we need to make sure we're authentic on whatever platform we're using. But I've also grown with a lot of my community on Instagram for so long and I know what they're expecting. And so sometimes you're like, 
if I put out a dance video where I'm making an absolute fool of myself, <laughs> that's not like the professional health coach and like, let's stay motivated and here's my business and the day-to-day that I typically share, although there's a bit of that, but like I can be whoever I want on TikTok and that appealed to me. And then I realized what's funny about it is I realized that the type of content I produce on Instagram actually does is what succeeds for me on TikTok. So I was like, all right, we're back here. So I am doing a lot of health and wellness content particularly, but I do it in a more fun way. And I'm like, come at me with your, you know, good comments, bad comments, don't care so much. Whereas if you get that on Instagram, it feels like you're letting down your community or you're like, you know, you're, you're butt hurt in a whole different way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and TikTok just gives you like freedom to do what you want. Yeah, no, TikTok is a great platform because it is so, well, first of all, the reach is insane. You can really reach way more people. You can get discovered so easily. I think it's a mixture of like hashtags, but also just how many users there are on the platform Um, that contributes to that that contributes to that as well. And then, yeah, it is fun. I mean, I did so many dance videos in quarantine, like the first lockdown, I would like sweat, like I would work out learning these dances because like I'm not... I don't, I'm not the best at remembering choreography, but obviously I'm not going to put out a video unless I like nail the dance. So I'm like practicing for like an hour and a half just to get this silly dance. And then I put it out and now I'm kind of looking back like that is not the kind of content that I'm, I'm sharing that people resonate with. They're not really getting any value at all, but like it was fun. (laughs) So yeah. And as a platform, they like, first of all, I find there's, there's space for everyone on it, which I really appreciate. Like there are, I mean, we saw, you know, the ocean spray guy, Oh, like, yes. you know, that whole story with the ocean spray video and he filmed it and he was going to work and like, didn't have tons of money, worked in a, I don't know what it was, like a shipping factory or something, California, whatever. There's just space for anyone and everything to go viral. Like there's stupid videos, there's educational videos, there's health videos, like cooking, there's doctors or specialists. I just think that they've made it accessible. And also the way they've built the platform and their algorithm, this is sort of my like little tech side of me, but it appeals to me so much because Instagram is when you're building out your hashtags on Instagram, you're hoping that someone searches that hashtag and looks for that healthy restaurants in Toronto, right? Whereas within TikTok, if I hashtag healthy restaurants in Toronto, people who consume that type of information are going to see it on their For You page. And so in so Instagram is like hoping that your people search for you versus TikTok is showing your audience that's right for you already your content. And that's the difference with the growth piece. They're also not looking, because I know some people at TikTok, the, their whole sense of developing it is not to create, like turn it into what Insta or what Facebook has done with Instagram about like pay to play, right? And that's the way Instagram is built right now. They're trying to promote their creators and then be like, look at all our creators on our platform and get brands on because of that. So they've done it in mm-hmm. a more favorite way towards creators, which I appreciate as one. <laughs> of course. Yeah. I mean, I don't think TikTok, I mean, not TikTok. I don't think hashtags on Instagram work. Like, do you have a trick? Because I swear I check people who are growing and they're using like the same hashtags they've been using for a while. I use some of those hashtags. Sometimes I just don't want to put hashtags because I'm like, I don't even think it's going to make a difference to be honest. So if you, if you have any insights to maybe share with our audience and selfishly myself as well. (laughs) Love to hear it. When it comes to hashtags, you want to be, you guys probably know like some of this, but you basically want to be as specific as you can without being like too specific. 
So you don't want to, like, it's not beneficial for me to put, like, hashtag the Fit Fatale Meditation Workshop three weeks long. Like, that's not beneficial in any way. And people used to do that, if you remember. Um, so that no one's going to search that. Like, end of story. But if I put, like, meditations, which, by the way, I'm, you know, not perfect at this. I'll do that, too, when I'm just trying to, like, pump out whatever the post. But if I put that, chances are I'm going to get, like, one person who sees it because of that. Because there's probably a thousand new posts with the hashtag meditation every minute, right? So if you wanted to be specific, maybe you want to put, like, Toronto meditation workshops. And you're sort of sitting somewhere in the middle where it's going to attract potentially like the market, let's say geographically that I'm looking for, and also the type of content that I'm building, the type of person that's going to enjoy it. So that's the biggest trick with hashtags. Those take more time. So usually I'll think of a few of them like that and then kind of throw in some others that I'm like, hope people on the meditation page find me, right? So there's a balance, but with hashtags, it's like, you, yeah, you got to find like a sweet spot, but if you can, they do help a lot and you can get like the highest ranked in one of those hashtags, that kind of thing. Sometimes the trick that I use is like, I'll search, let's say that hashtag or whatever hashtag I want to use. And then you'll see like the associated. So like people also search, like they'll give you kind of options. And then I go into those hashtags and see if it's actually relevant for what I'm trying to post and also see how many photos are in that hashtag. Because generally speaking, if a hashtag has over, I don't know, a million or two million, unless you're getting really high engagement and views, like your picture is probably not going to come up at the top of that hashtag. So it doesn't really make sense to use that hashtag. So that's kind of like a trick that I use is look, type in your hashtag, see if any of the other hashtags that come up associated with that hashtag are also usable and then kind of build out which ones are you going to use from there. A lot of people ask us or we have seen the content online, tips for growing on Instagram for 2021, tips how to grow on TikTok 2021. What are some of your tips that you can share with us for growing on either platform or both platforms this year? I think Instagram is like a whole other animal, so I don't even know if I can give you all that much. That's super beneficial. But at the end of the day, like the most important thing that I think is the quality of the content that you put out. No matter, no matter what trick or bot or engagement, none of that. Like the quality of the content is always going to be the most important thing. Obviously, you need to make sure that gets seen. But I feel like there's a lot of people who get really discouraged because their stuff isn't being seen. And so they don't care what the content is, right? They're like, no one's seeing this. I don't have any following, but I should be an influencer. So I'm just going to be putting out stuff. When you have quality content, it also stands out for sure. And it stands out to brands. So that's one thing. And that's also like if people are listening, trying to get more brand deals, brands want quality content that they can repurpose. And then you can charge more (laughs) for like them using it for an ad or repurposing the content. So think about it that way as well. It's like, how can this benefit the brands long term as well? And then the other thing is also just making sure that your content has value and education. I know I'm going back to the content a lot and there's no like easy trick. People probably want me to tell them like, download this thing and it'll help you. But the quality of the content and the educational component is super important right now. People are just flooded with like so much stuff everywhere and they want to get value like it goes back to always providing value. I'm sure you guys are big fans of Lauren from Skinny Confidential. It's like have value. Yeah. 
like I think everyone is. She's the holy grail, especially in podcasting. But always have, always be providing value and people will see that and they'll save and they'll share. And that's the difference that you see with like, so when I share a workout video or a recipe, you're getting like so many saves and shares versus here's me in a really cute outfit, which people may buy the product and that's great and, you know, for the brand or whatever. But I think that's, Mm -hmm. that's the biggest difference with educational content as well. Would you say in terms of captions and providing value in captions, you know, a lot of people have made the shift to just posting an emoji or, you know, posting like three words to writing a paragraph or making the caption completely unrelated to the photo. Like it could be just a cute selfie and and the caption could be something more in depth about how are you feeling today? Like what's really going on? Like, you know, more wellness based content. But I don't know. I find like for myself, like there's a part of me that's like, okay, I there's a lot of stuff that I do have a very thorough morning routine. Like I'm very much in that mindset, but I don't feel like it's as organic for me to like write a paragraph about how emotional I'm feeling because I feel like it, everyone's also doing it and it could come off as inauthentic and people wouldn't engage with it. So I don't know. I just find it's a bit confusing in that sense, even though I know, I think those posts will get shared more because, or people potentially engage with more because it's relatable. I think the moral of the story is if you feel connected to share it, share it. I think we spend so much time filtering ourselves, like not just the photo, but what we have to say. And oftentimes when you just drop that filter and it's something you feel passionate about communicating because it will help someone. Right. And that's, that goes back to the intention and the why there's so like, there's, I'm sure tons of people who go, I should share how I'm feeling because then people are going to think I'm authentic and real and they're going to love me and blah, 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 blah. Right. And so, and that's totally good, but like also do it in a way that it's going to help someone who's seeing it. And that's the one thing that like I can feel good about is when I get a message from someone who tells me they're, they're struggling with like mental health and depression, whatever they've been dealing with and the meditations or the way I've communicated that I've, you know, that's been a struggle for me or something along those lines has helped them. And that just hits really, like really close and you know, you're aligned with your purpose. So I just think like, we need to like not filter if we think it's what we want to share, but there's so much noise. Like it's hard to second guess ourselves, you know, and mm-hmm. I do it too. What assumptions did you have getting into, or if you had any assumptions getting into the blogger space or tech side of the business, did you have any assumptions going into it and were they proven to be true or maybe false? Both very different assumptions. Um, Give us like one or two in each. For each? each Okay. So I think for the tech side, I thought things happened a lot faster than they do (laughs) because we're creators and we do things really quick and pump out content and sign a deal and the post is up live tomorrow. So I operate relatively quickly and um, operate, you know, working with our whole dev team. I think that's one thing I had no idea about. It's just like the time that it takes to do something and build it. Another thing that I don't know if this is an assumption or more like a learning, but the one thing I've learned in tech and building a product is listen to your users. It's not like build a product that you think someone will want and they will come. It's build what the people actually need and want and just continue to listen to them endlessly. That's probably for every business, but in particular in tech, because everything takes so long to do. So you want to make sure it's exactly what they want. Work smart and fast and and just continue to like hear, have your eyes and ears open. 
in the creator space, I have to be honest, like six years ago, it doesn't sound that long, but it feels that long for me. I think it's like almost seven now. And from the day I like, you know, got a domain and decided I was going to do it. And it was actually a new year's resolution when I started doing that. And I think the biggest, there we go, guys get inspired. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was on my, my paper, like start a blog this year. I think the biggest thing that I'm shocked by daily is that I get to work with the brands that I do, that anyone wants to work with me. I remember the first deal I got, and I still feel that way about every contract that I sign and that I work on. And I think remaining true to, like, just realizing that you are blessed to be in that position where, you know, you've worked hard for it, but that people continuously want to work with you and hear from you and not forgetting where you came from sort of in a way, because I think a lot of people can grow a social following and then sort of forget about how it was just once a dream and how it's really a dream for everyone else still a lot of the times. And that's one thing that I like try my hardest to shed a lot of light on, answer everyone that has questions about it. Um, like that's what we're doing with Cloud Gem too, is, is just open that opportunity and making it a lot less taboo. And like, I have my secrets, you can't have them. It's all about community and and continuing to share and just being grateful for where I've gotten to to this point. It's interesting how the community is kind of like that sometimes. It's like they keep their eggs or their, you know, I don't know, moves or pieces close to them. and they Secret don't, sauce yeah, to themselves. They, and they don't really share. But I really believe that what goes around comes around as cheesy or as like cliche as that is. And like, if you give, or if you kind of, you know, lend out a tip, like it will eventually come back around to help you. Not that you should be doing it with that intention, but just the fact that like you should, even if you're doing it because no one ever did it for you. And like, you just want to be that like light source for someone or that sort of guiding force for someone. But I definitely think that giving and you give and you will receive in many ways you identified there we go. I was like we have the phrase for that yeah. one <laughs> is that is that the phrase did we get it right that this is, time yeah okay, great you identified or you kind of mentioned it briefly at the beginning but what is your what is your why did you have a why at the beginning has it developed just let us know. Maybe it's ever evolving and, and it's it's something that you work on day to day. But what is your why? My why? Like, yes, it's ever evolving, but it will never change. It is always to better the life of who's consuming my content. Like there is no there is no shift in my mind of everything I put out. Like, how will this make someone happier? And like when when I first started my blog, it was actually called Silver Linings by S. Um, when it was a lifestyle blog and it was all about finding the silver lining and the happiness in, and I know it sounds super cheesy and corny and a lot of my blog posts are sometimes like, love you guys, I'm with you all. But I, that's my why. And that's always what it's going to be. It's how can I continue to help and better people's lives? And it's the same thing with the podcast. When I have different entrepreneurs on, I always ask them like, how are you helping other people? Like, what is your, your contribution? Even if it's just the product you know, itself helps people or you, you know, provide some type of value that helps them at the end of it. Because if we're not able to do that with our time as entrepreneurs or as creators, it's, to me, it's a loss. And I can't, I couldn't imagine having a business that doesn't do that. I do want to note too, is that there's this whole movement now, like 
instead of saying influence to inspire. And I think like that kind of ties into your why and our whys as well. Like just inspiring people to live the best lives that they can and like give as many tips and like gain as much knowledge and build a community as authentically as possible. And we can keep that in or not. I just wanted to say it, but thank you. Yeah, I like that a lot. Thank you so much, Samantha, for being here today via Zoom. Uh, I think we covered a really in-depth way of like growing on social platforms and how to utilize your platform in a really authentic way. So thank you so much for being here today. Why don't you plug yourself? Um, And we will link everything for you guys down below. We're also going to be on your podcast, the Fit Fatale podcast. Check us out on there. Why don't you tell us where they can find you? Cool. Yeah. So you guys can find me. My Instagram is the fit fatale. Um, so is my blog. So is my TikTok. I kind of got that consistency. Um, the podcast as well. You can always find it everywhere. I also have tons of meditation resources for anyone that's listening that feels like they are having a tough time and want to find a moment to tune in and be there for themselves and find stillness so that they can show up as their best selves. So I have tons of free meditations on um, Spotify, on my IGTV as well. I just wanted to offer that for anyone. And then as far as Clout Jam, it is clout, like Cardi B, that is how I say it, Um, jam.com, and you can check it out. We can also give you guys a promo code. So if anyone wants to give it a try or you have more questions about how it can help you with where you're at, we want you to influence where you are. So happy to help. And thank you guys for listening. We put out episodes every single week. So thank you again. And we will see you in the next one. Bye, guys. 